Just as we always do, we started 2019 together with a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration, focusing on developing great faith. We continued our great faith theme with a six-week sermon series designed to strengthen our faith. A few months later, when 6,000 of us gathered together in Orlando, Florida from 80 nations to celebrate every nation's 25th anniversary at Go 2019, we continued to emphasize great faith in our great God. I want to encourage you to finish this year the same way you started it, not wavering in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but growing strong in faith as you honor God, being fully convinced that God is able to do what He promised, that He is able and willing to give the nations as an inheritance to those who ask. 2020 is approaching, and I know you want to start the year and finish the year strong. As always, we plan to start the year with a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Our 2020 theme will be Amazing Grace. We've written devotional guides, we've produced videos, we've prepared sermon series on Amazing Grace that will follow the prayer, fasting, and consecration week. We are declaring 2020 to be a year of grace in every nation. As we prepare for that week, I am claiming Romans 5:17 for all of us. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I am believing with you that because of the abundance of grace, we will reign in life in 2020. Good morning, family. Welcome to 2020. If you are still in 2019, this is just a heads up. We are in the new year. Amen. God is good. We had an amazing uh, crossover service, if you choose to call it crossover service, uh, a new year service on the 31st. Uh, we had so many people here packed coming to praise God and welcoming the new year. And I'm noticing we also are packed this morning. I just wanna, want you to know that next week we're going back to our four services uh, as we know the times, 8.30, 10.15, 12 o'clock, and 5 p.m. So uh, feel free to join any of the services. Uh, as we've been speaking about uh, fasting, praying, I want to read this quote for you. And after reading this quote, I want to encourage you to prioritize being at the prayer meetings this week. Because fasting is not a diet. Yes, there might be some benefits to fasting, but we're not doing it primarily to lose weight. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. Listen to this. A diet changes the way you look. A fast changes the way you see. This was Lisa Befier. A diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. So we come together to pray tomorrow, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., all the way until Friday, because we want to change our perspective. We want to change the way we see the way we see the world, the way we see our lives. Amen. There has been some prophetic words that have come out for 2020. Some of them were shared on the 31st. I'm going to read some of them here. They will also be on our website if you want to also join us in praying over these words. Because we believe that when God speaks, He also acts. Every word that comes out has in it God's creating power to create what He speaks of. So this is one of the prophetic words. We're trusting uh, for God's move in 2020. 
The Lord gave us this word that is going to be a year of launching out into the deep and throw in our net for a great catch. We're going to throw out into the deep. We're going to go out into the deep, throw our nets for a great catch. If you read in Luke 5, it speaks of the fact that when Jesus had a conversation with Peter and his colleagues about uh, catching fish, they said, Master, we've toiled through the night and we've caught nothing. But at your word, Lord, we will throw in the nets. And I want to encourage all of us who have been trusting and believing, and you may be feeling despondent or disappointed that you've been trusting and believing, but I want you to say, at your word, Lord, we will believe again. At your word, Lord, we will trust again. Amen. We're going to believe and trust again. Another word that Chantal shared with us about four weeks ago, let's go. God is handing out big assignments to take new territory and new ground for the kingdom. Are you ready to receive the new assignment that God is giving you? I had a testimony just after the first service, a lady who's just been promoted in a very male-dominated industry to become a manager, and this is the favor of God. This is the favor of God. New assignments. Greg gave us this word. God is saying yes to his promises in 2020. You may have believed for a while, Believe again, trust again, get into his word, because that's where the promises of God are. If you want to know where the promises of God are, they are into his word. Tunji Pariola shared this word with us in Job 8 verse 7. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter will end with increase abundantly. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter would end with increase abundantly. So wherever you are right now, trust God that this coming decade is going to be a decade of greater grace and greater abundance. Amen. You choose to believe. I believe. Mesha Shanek shared this word with us. I feel 2020 will be a year of open doors. I believe it's a year of breakthrough and change. I feel the Lord saying to us, I have wiped out and given you a clean slate to step into without any hindrances. I want you to leave all of the past behind you. Wrong relationships, hurts, guilt, shame, condemnation, wrong decisions, bad choices, lack of discipline, laziness, lack, failure, sickness, and disease. But draw close to me. I will open doors of opportunities for you, bringing breakthrough in your life and glorious change. Amen. I want to pray over these words. Father, thank you that when you speak, Father, we choose to believe because we know that he who promised is faithful. Lord, your word says not one of all the promises you gave to Israel failed. All of them were fulfilled. And Father, this morning we want to embrace these words and we want to see you move, not only in 2020, but in the season to come, Father. That this coming decade, Lord, will be a decade of bigger breakthroughs, Father. A decade of greater grace, Father God. Take us deeper, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So friends, as we start this uh, series called Amazing Grace, today we're going to be talking about abundant grace. How amazing grace transforms our relationship with God. I came across this story. Some of you may have heard about the story. In the U.S. about May last year, 
there was a man called Robert F. Smith who was invited to give a commencement speech at the graduation of this class. As part of his speech, he said that he was going to pay the debt of the entire class of about 400 people. I guess they have no excuse to do fees must fall in that context. <laughs> he paid. He said, I'm going to pay for everything, 400 students. Now, who is Robert F. Smith, an African-American dude who studied chemical engineering and started an investment company, and behind his name, he's worth 5 billion U.S. dollars. I mean, even if you were to say 5 billion reigns, it's still, it's still something, right? <laughs> so you would ask yourself a question. If this guy is saying, I'm going to pay a debt for all of you, he must be having some serious backing behind him. There must be something he was thinking when he said that. I mean, there was like over a million U.S. dollar debt that needed to be paid. So put yourself in the shoes of those students. They were elated. They were excited. They were rejoicing. Even before the money was in the bank account. <laughs> Don't you think that is faith? It is faith. It is the same as believing in God. I mean, it's like knowing that the one who promised is faithful and he owes a kettle on a thousand hills. Not a thousand kettles. A kettle on a thousand hills. He's the one who created the heaven and earth. He's got some serious backing behind him. I can give you testimony after testimony of how I've seen him come through. So when we talk about the abundant grace of God, we talk about someone who knows what he's talking about. So we ask ourselves, how do we respond to this grace that was given to us so abundantly? How do we respond to this grace that we so don't deserve? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of those students who we're just told you get what you didn't work for. You get what you don't deserve. You, do, you get what you don't earn. That is why I want to give you this incredible definition of the word grace. Grace is undeserved, unmerited, unearned kindness and favor of God. Grace is undeserved, unmerited, unearned kindness and favor of God. So when we speak about grace, we understand that we need not do anything to receive the grace of God. If grace is a gift, what do you do when you are given a gift? You receive it. That's all you do. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He loves you the way you are. He already died for you. He loves you the way you are. So let's go to our text today. We're going to be reading Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, open with me. Romans chapter 5. I'll also have it up here on the screen. Now, as you're opening there, I want to bring your attention to the word called trespass or transgression. So the word trespass or transgression, it's taken from the Greek word called paraptoma. I was trying hard to practice how to say paraptoma. There's a, there's a Greek guy in the church, so every time we preach, he corrects our spelling. So he, the, the, this word paraptoma means that you have fallen away from being close to someone. So basically, you have moved away from close proximity. So you have trespassed. You've moved away from where you were supposed to be. You have moved away. 
So when we read this text, I want us to read it with that understanding that actually when we talk about grace is that transgression, our sins, our trespasses have moved us away from the presence of God, but the grace of God has the power to bring us back. The grace of God has the power to restore us back to the presence of God. I know some of us are maybe carrying shame of the past sins or things that we have done that we feel like, man, I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. You know, the more I pray and study the subject of grace, I keep hearing the Lord say, you don't get it. I feel like I still don't comprehend this grace thing. I don't get it. Like, Every time I think about it and I think about even my life before Christ, even my life in Christ, even now, I still sometimes think that I'm better than others. I still sometimes think that I need to perform to come into the presence of God. I still feel like sometimes I need to be perfect first, fix myself first to come into the presence of God. But His grace says, no, come as you are. His grace says, come as you are. So, the one thing about this word transgression is we will never, never understand the depth of God's grace until we understand the depth of our transgression. We will never understand the depth of His grace until we understand the depth of our transgression. So when we read a text like this, we need to understand the reason why Paul was giving this repetition of words. He was trying to make a point that, guys, you don't get it. You don't get this grace thing. The context of the book of Romans, we like to give this book to first-time believers who are new in Christ to understand the essence of what we believe as Christians. When Paul wrote this book, he was writing it to a church that had attention. You had Jewish Christians who were observing and upholding Mosaic law. And then you had Gentile Christians in the same church who had been set free and they did not have the baggage of Mosaic law. So if you think about the church then, it's like the Jewish guys, they were saying to the Gentile guys, this is what you must do to come to church. They were saying to the ladies, you must wear your head, cover your hair before you come to church. And if you bring it to today, they would even say, hey, ladies, you shouldn't be wearing pants to church. They'll be saying to the guys, guys, you can't wear shorts to church. You can't even wear sneakers to church. I'm watching you, Tony. You know, like, we think that we need to fix ourselves first to look a certain way to be accepted in the house of God. But grace says, come as you are. Come as you are. This is the house of the Lord. So we read this text with that understanding that Paul was addressing religiosity. He was addressing this, uh, I'm better than you, spirit, that made others to feel like, well, look at me. I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm in His presence. Who do you think you are to even be a church? Let's read verse 12 of Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if 
many died through one man's trespass or transgression, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one, one's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's disobedience, the many will be made righteous, right standing with God. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So friends, a text like this, you spend hours and hours of understanding what was Apostle Paul on about here? Why all this repetition? I mean, the words free gift is being repeated about five times, which five is the number of grace in the word. The word transgression is repeated a couple of times even though you may think that, you know what, they may be uplifting transgression, this is to say that His grace is bigger than the transgressions. So, you ask yourself, where is the connection point between Adam and Jesus? And I want to first take you through this tabular explanation of this text that we've just read. And then we'll go back to the definition of grace, so that we walk away understanding what God meant when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. So when you look at the scripture in this tabular form, it helps us to understand that there is a juxtaposition here. There is this conflict, this tension where sin is trying to take us back away from God, but the grace of God is pulling and tugging the other way back into the presence of God. So we read here that through the transgression of one, that is Adam, many died. That's spiritual death. And it says, the grace of God, the free gift has abounded for many through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Meaning that because of our sins and our transgression, we deserve to die. We deserve to be condemned because we've moved away from God's presence. And then you read on the other side, it says, much, the free gift arose for many transgressions resulting in justification. The, the word justification means right standing with God. It means that I don't have to be perfect to come before God because God looks at me through the eyes of Jesus and therefore I'm perfect. Through the eyes of the cross, he looks at me. That is why you read Romans 8 verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. And we continue to read verse 17. 
by the transgression of the one man, death reigned through the one. Now, let me explain this. Death was never God's original plan. If we think, which is contrary to popular and secular belief, that actually death is a natural part of life, it was never the case. Scripture says that death reigned, death came because of the disobedience that happened in the Garden of Eden. That was not God's first plan. If in case, go and study Genesis chapter 3. It speaks about the tree of good and evil and the tree of life. And if you eat the tree of life, you will live forever. And then it says, much more will those who receive the abundance of the grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Grace leads us to victory. Just laying the foundation. Verse 18. And one transgression led to condemnation of all men. It's repetition of verse 16. One act of righteousness through Jesus Christ leads to the justification and life for all men. Underline life. Verse 19. Through one man's disobedience. Disobedience and through one man's obedience. Through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners because Adam was the first man representing man on earth. God created him out of the dust. Through his disobedience, men were made sinners. And through the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous. That is why 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can have a right standing with God. We can go into the Holy of Holies. We can be restored into the presence of God. I love this one. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That is to say, as much as sin is trying hard to quench grace, grace can never be quenched by sin. Grace will always overcome sin. So if, in case you thought that your sin was bigger, grace is much bigger. Grace abounded all the more. In case you think that you are so filthy and full of shame, you've done so many bad things and you cannot stand before God, grace abounded all the more. Grace is bigger. Grace will always consume whatever sin that you carry. I like this. The law exposes sin, but grace fixes sin. Two different things. The law will show you what is right and what is wrong. It just exposes sin. That is why in verse 12 it says, you know, they, the death reigned from Adam to Moses. When Moses came, he introduced the law. What did the law do? The law just said to you, you are wrong, you are right. Didn't fix anything. But when grace showed up, grace says, you are now being restored. You're being restored. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. As sin reigned in death, sin brought death, even so grace will reign through the righteousness of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bottom line is, Adam's sin destroyed our relationship with God. Jesus restored our relationship with God. Adam, first man Adam, he disobeyed God, and therefore we moved away from the presence of God. If you read Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says, they closed the garden, and there were now cherubims that are standing there to prevent them from coming in. And Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's before God and he's been given a choice to obey or disobey. Just like Adam, he chooses to obey. You remember his prayer, he says, Lord, 
Let this cup pass me by, but not my will, your will, Lord. And when he was saying your will, Lord, he knew that God was carrying you and I. He was thinking of you and I. That is why the Bible says that he wept and blood was coming through him to the ground. So a tale of two gardens, this is the connection point between Adam and Jesus. Adam in the Garden of Eden disobeyed God. Sin came in, death came in. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means oil press, in that agony, what did he do? He obeyed God and life came. So read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. It says, the first man, Adam, became a living being created by God from the dust of the earth. But the second man, Adam, who is Jesus Christ, came from heaven, created by God. He is giving life, giving spirit. So he is here to give us life and life more abundantly. So with this background, Let's talk about why do we say grace is undeserved? Grace is undeserved. Verse 16 says, The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. We were justified. I love this. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, fix your sin first, and then I will die for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we speak about a grace that is undeserved, is we need not fix ourselves first to come and be received in the presence of God. You know, grace is like presidential pardon. Let's make it a little bit practical here now. You know what presidential pardon is? You get forgiven for the wrong that you have done. And you don't deserve it because actually you should rot in prison. <laughs> that is the side of me that doesn't understand grace. It's just like, yeah, 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 let them die. The side of me that is pushing for death penalty is saying, yeah, 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 re- bring it back. Then there's a side of me that helps me understand grace. That challenges me. I came across a story, 1829. Two gentlemen, George Wilson and James Potter, they were robbing a mail carrier. I was asking myself, why would you rob a postman? You know, like, and then someone helped me to understand. Actually, in those days, they will send money in the envelope. Okay, so you fast forward. We're thinking now, no, you don't do that. Not in Joburg. <laughs> so they robbed a male postman in apparently near-death situation, and they got arrested, and they were sentenced to death penalty, execution by hanging. And these two gentlemen had to go and be executed. One of them, James Potter, was executed as scheduled, and the other one, George Wilson, he had connections. And his connections were able to negotiate for him, and he was given a presidential pardon. And guess what happened? He refused it. He said, no, 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 I can't take this. 
I know that the story messes with our thinking a little bit. I want to read um, what the judge said. Uh, here's a, I don't know whether it was a born again judge or not, but this is what he said. And as I read this for you, I want to bring the story to how we sometimes reject the grace of God. That's what the judge says. A pardon is an act of grace. Proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws. But delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. And we have no power in the court to force it on him. And I was thinking, no, it's not only for people who are not yet saved, who are rejecting the grace of God. Some of us sitting here, we are rejecting the grace of God. Some of us here, we are struggling with that understanding that we have been forgiven. Even if you were to sin today, you will be forgiven. I know that's difficult for some people. I'm not giving you permission to go and sin now because you don't need permission from me. It is to say that the grace of God, it is there even before we sin to keep us and help us from sinning. But if for whatever reason we fall into the sin, the grace of God is there to restore us back to the presence of God. So we need not reject the pattern that has been given to us. You know, I was discussing with my kids, you know, why did this guy not receive the pardon? I mean, yes, he didn't even say why not. I mean, you can give your whatever reason that you can come up with. But here for me is a person who was forgiven and he chose not to receive the forgiveness. So some of us as Christians, we live as slaves and hirelings and not as sons of the king because we don't understand that grace is undeserved. Grace is unmerited. If I read the scripture, you know, merit is being worthy of something or the quality of being good, excellent. But now, societies that we live in, the, we have this thing about merit that you, you receive something because you merit it. I know that it, it, it messes with us sometimes because you're like, but this person has worked hard, they deserve it, so therefore they must get it. That is fine. I want you to understand that in God's economy, you get what you don't merit. You get what you don't merit. Look at Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory. I like the fact that it says we stand with this grace. We stand on this grace. Why am I standing in front of you today? It's not because I'm better than you. It's because of grace. Reminds me of the word Jesus shared with us on the 31st. Having done all to stand. Stand, stand, stand. But another phrase that catches my attention is, we have obtained access by faith into this grace. So we need faith in order to have access to this grace. We need to believe in order to have access to this grace. I don't know, how many of you remember the sermon Pastor Siv preached about the name tag? That, you know, the name tag that we have as Christians gives us access. 
The grace of God by faith, it gives us access into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. Last year in July, we went to the Every Nation World Conference. It was on this uh, uh, video that we just watched with Steve Morrow. And we took our two daughters. Uh, Limo couldn't come because he had exams. And while we were there, we discovered that every evening after every session, there was a reception and dinner with dessert. Let's talk about food on the eve of fast tomorrow, you know? <laughs> just like, let's enjoy the moment while we can. There was serious dinner with dessert, and people who, leaders and serving at the World Conference, they were allowed access into this reception dinner every night. So because of the rent dollar, it was quite expensive to be in America, and uh, knowing that there was free dinner, it was a blessing from the Lord <laughs> with dessert. Just emphasis. If you didn't know, I come from a very sweet tooth family. So... My daughter, Zinzi, discovers that every time Daddy clicks his card, he can say, they are with me, and we all go through. <laughs> Next day, she went with her name tag, clicks her name tag, and she goes through. Yes! She's got access! She says, now I've got access. I can go in here. Because of my dad, I have access. This is what I like about the story. With the same accent that comes only from Zinzi, she goes to her friend. She says, dude, because my dad has got access, you can come with me. <laughs> she goes like, she's with me. I hope you get it. I hope you get it. The gospel is like that. Because our dad has given us access, we can call others and say, she's with me. He's with me. He's with me. We have access. We have access. You know, we shouldn't keep grace to ourselves. And I know the lawyers are thinking about the ethics of the story. We'll sort that out later. We were allowed to bring other people. Let's leave it there. So we do not just keep this grace to ourselves. We, we go and call others and say, she's with me. So let's not keep this grace to ourselves. This unmerited, undeserved, unearned grace and favor of God. Let's close with this. Grace is unearned. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not your own doing. You did nothing. You just had to show up. And he's saying, I'm restoring you to the presence of God. If something is free, it is not earned. If it is earned, it is not free. It is the free gift of God. So I want to demonstrate this free gift of God to you this morning. And I hope that's a picture that you take home of this free gift that you get. The word... Grace in Greek is, some will say charis. My dear Greek friend says charis, 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 brother, charis. He was in the first service. He got me to say charis. <clears throat> so if your child, you've called them charis, it's not charis, charis. <laughs> Went to study the root and listening to other 
scholars and preachers, you study the root of the word charis in the Greek context is you have someone who have and someone who does not have. And the person who has goods that this person needs can make the goods available at a cost. And then shows up a broker and the broker says, okay, no, 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 no. I'll help the situation. I know she needs this. He has this. Let's do the deal. And just in case you think that she has to pay, no, 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 no. The broker says, I'll pay. I'll pay. Now, I need one person to act the story for me. Anyone who's bold enough to come and act? Haris. Come, bro. Come, 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 come. A lot of people are going to... Yes, let's give him a round of applause. Mine. A lot of people wish they came. Graham, please come. Come with the favor of the Lord. So Graham is that man. Yes, give him a round of applause. He's got goods that he needs. I think mind is thinking new year, new things, resolutions. I need to start running again. Sorry, they're pink, mind. You have three daughters, four daughters, and a wife. My goodness. Okay, you sort of... I pray for mind every so often. I kept the receipt here so that if you don't like the size or you don't like the color, it can change. Now, now, Jesus is the broker. He goes to God, takes the gift, gives it, says... Paid in full. Paid in full. It's all yours. Take it. Take it. Go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Take it. Take it. Take it. Awesome. Ha. What I like about this, what I like about this is I am not going to take it back after the service. Take them home. While mine was not thinking about the gift, that's how God works. While we were not thinking, He was thinking of us. He was thinking of us. He knows what we need. He knows what you need for 2020. And He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He knows what you need. And He restores you. Grace restores us. It is undeserved, unearned, unmerited, kindness, in favor of God. Let's stand to pray. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. Let me take you back to that story. The Morehouse College. I mentioned it in the beginning. Some of you may know about this college and the story. I mentioned in the beginning that they rejoiced before the money was in their account. That rejoicing was an act of faith. It is through faith that we have access to grace. The one thing you can do today is choose to believe. It is when you believe that God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you on the cross, you have access to this great grace that is unexplainable. It is unexplainable. Father, I pray for all of us here today. Set us free from competition. Set us free from perfectionism. 
set us free from performance, Lord. Thinking that it is through performance that we are received and accepted. The grace of God says, just come as you are. Father, I also pray for those who may be here today and they do not have a relationship with you, God, and they don't know how it's like to be restored to the holy of holies, to the presence of God. I pray for them too, Lord, that they will be restored, Father God. And while I pray, Lord, I pray that this year, Father God, we will live with a new revelation of your grace, God. God, may it be a turning point for us that we realize that what you have done for us on the cross is unmerited, undeserved, unearned, kindness and favor. While our heads are bowed and in this moment of prayer, if you are here today and you know that you are far away from God, you've transgressed, you've tr moved away from the presence of God, God is calling you back to close proximity with Him. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Just raise your hand to God and say, God, I'm coming back to close proximity with you, God. If you are here, you know. Thank you for raising your hand already. You know that you need to come back. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you're a guest. There's a reason you're here today. Just raise your hand before God and say, God, I'm coming back home. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand. See, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? I don't want this moment to pass you by. If you know you need to come back, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. For all those who raise your hands, I'm going to ask you one more thing. Bring your belongings. Come to the front. We're going to pray with you. We're not going to ask you to say anything. We want to pray with you, and we have some counselors who are going to speak with you and pray with you. So please come to the front if you raise your hand. Be bold. Come to the front. If you raise your hand, please come. Facing this way. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Stand right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Stand right here. Thank you. Awesome. Hallelujah. If you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to come close, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come back, just come, we'll pray with you. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to be up here, come back to the house of the Lord, come back to God, come to close proximity, feel free. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for being bold. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you all for being here and making this decision. The grace of God is here to receive you and to restore you. Can you please pray after me this prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We accept you as Lord and Savior of our lives. From today, we will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. There are some counselors who are going to spend time with you. If you can please go with them. There are some counselors who are going to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Friends, we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you know that you've been wrestling with performance, with competition, with just a spirit of hireling, spirit of slavery, we want to trust God for breakthrough and freedom for you today.